The question of the day is, if the Guardians faced the Royals every day, would they win every day? It certainly feels that way right now. Uh, then again, it just feels like whoever faces the Royals wins on the day they face the Royals. We'll get into today's game on Lockdown Guardians. We'll preview the Orioles series upcoming. And, you know, it's all about the Pilk Man today on Locked On Guardians. <laughs> Are Locked On Guardians, your daily podcast on the Cleveland Guardians, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So the Cleveland Guardians uh, have a day game against Kansas City Royals, and, uh, you know, I had to follow this one through my game day app uh, on my lunch break and then my planning period because that's when uh, I could watch a day game. And Oh, my co-host wants to join in already right from the start. What do you have to say, Nacho? What are you, you adding in? You really enjoyed Pilkington's performance. Did you watch it down here in the podcasting basement uh, over on the MLB TV on the PlayStation? Apparently that's what he did. Uh, this is a game where Connor Pilkington made me I talked about the fact that he hadn't been very effective in AAA. He's actually been more effective in the majors this year than AAA. That's just the truth of it. What a start by him. Uh, ran into a bit of a jam, was in the third inning where the bases were loaded. And oof, not uh, not some great managing choices there. <laughs> but again, this is a team that just isn't very good. It's a team that has been mismanaged. I went into that deeply on yesterday's show. Uh, they could make some very easy changes to get better, uh, and they're not going to. They're going to wait, and probably not until we're post a Super 2 state. Or I mean, we'll have to see. Uh, they also have one of the best trade assets in baseball. Well, I don't know if I want to say it, but Andrew Benintendi, with what he is doing right now uh, as a rental, I don't know how much he nets because rentals never net much anymore, but... If you're Cleveland and you can get yourself on a nice little stretch here and you can kick yourself around into the picture, I mean, the Cincinnati kid would make sense as a rental. He's going to make sense for a lot of teams who want a rental. He's got the prospect pedigree. He's been a little bit up and down for his career, but he is having a fantastic year so far for the Royals. Uh, You got him, you got Bobby Witt, you got Hunter Dozier, and then that's just, that's all you have. Bases loaded with one out, I believe, and I think, again, that was the third. Uh... Rivera, I can't remember what he did, if it was a pop-up or something like that, and then Nicky Lopez, it was just futility, uh, it was oof, it, rough to be a Royals fan, we talked about that on the show yesterday, but the positive, you know, Pilkington ran into that issue, and that's about all he ran into, five hits, two walks, eight strikeouts over five innings, uh, 91 pitches to get through five, Eli Morgan continues to be uh, the go-to guy, <coughs> excuse me, in the pen, Two innings, two hits, four strikeouts for Morgan. Uh, it's that's a problem. Like he definitely sets up as a potential starter, but then you get into the whole thing where it's really just going to decimate your pen. Uh, Brian Shaw with a great performance. You know, I, I bag on him. I have to give him credit. And Class A came in, got some work, and was fantastic as well. This is a game that the Guardians, you know, they had to uh, to push some things together. It was not. Blanking on the word I really want. They had to manufacture. Manufacture the runs in this one. Uh, they got one run in the third one, the fourth one, the fifth one in the sixth. A uh, pair of extra base hits. 
And, you know, who reached base twice in this one? Well, Stephen Kwan playing center field again today. That's back-to-back days. Had two hits and a walk. It's one of his best days in about a month. Uh, Ahmed Rosario, who I've been hard on, had two hits in this one. Then you go down, two hits for Andres Jimenez. It, that's the thing, too. Like, I believe it was that bases loaded jam where because you got Rosario playing shortstop, he makes a bad play. A play that Jimenez probably makes and doesn't allow that jam to even occur. Uh, but Jimenez had two hits. Richie Palacios had two hits. Uh, at the bottom of the lineup. I mean, say what you want to say. He's been up and down. He's had it, but he's hitting 326 of 745 OPS. No power at all to his game, but he was a second baseman in college, shortstop in college. Second baseman starting out in the pros. Mostly has been an outfielder. It just, I wonder, you know, could he be a, a super utility type? Could we see him get a little bit more? I mean, he's up to 46 at bats. So it is, it's still a small sample size. Don't get me wrong, but he's, playing well through nearly 50 at-bats so, so far in the big leagues. Uh, Straw pinch ran and then moved to center field late after, you know, getting his second off day there. Uh, you know, who didn't get on base in this one? Oscar Mercado. Josh Naylor had a walk, no hits. Owen Miller had one walk. And then Jose just had the one hit today. So, you know, for him, that was a a, a bad day compared <laughs> to what he has done throughout this season. Uh, your players of the game, I think, are Palacios, uh, Jimenez, and Pilkington. Uh, you know, I, was, I wasn't I was sure if Pilkington would do it, but this is the perfect team to put your rookie starter against. Uh, and he came out, and he just was excellent. Uh, you got, you know, for that performance, five innings, no earned runs. And then you got Richie Palacios, who, you know, came up with some big hits, had an extra base hit. And then the reason for giving it to Jimenez is he had the other extra base hit. Uh, honestly, if I was, you know, maybe Quan would be the other player you consider because he reached base three times. Uh, but I'll take the guys who had the extra base hits uh, in this one. Guardians are now 22 and 24, third in the AL Central, two games behind, behind, below 500. It's not like you're really chasing 500. I mean, I guess you are. Baltimore on deck. Baltimore is not a very good team. Like, yes, have they improved? I mean, relative to everything else, they're still 21 and 30, but last in their division, starting to make call-ups, starting to, you know, uh, trying to cement their roster in place. We'll get into more of the Baltimore series in segment two of the show. I did want to take a moment here before the, we, well, we're not even close to the break yet, but, and talk about uh, Pilkington. So he is playing well. Let's talk about Chicago White Sox. Uh, Dylan Cease and Michael Kopech have been great for them. Those two guys have been really the cement of their rotation. Uh, Kopech is playing a little bit over his head, but you look overall, it's like worth 1.3 war, 1.2 war, FIPs of 2.86 and 2.71. It is interesting that the XFIP is so much lower on Kopech, and that's because he hasn't given up a home run yet this year, and XFIP normalizes home run rates, which, again, I don't love because I think there are players who are more and less prone to that. Uh, Giolito's been solid, maybe not the level he was in the past. We still a solid starter. Next, in terms of starts, tied actually with Kopech and Giolito is Dallas Keuchel, who they just cut. Uh, we talked about him on yesterday's show and how the only good season was part of that weird 2020 year. Next most starts, Vince Valesquez, who's bounced around baseball, has a FIP over five and a war of zero through uh, eight games and seven starts. <laughs> Their next most starts uh, at three. Johnny Cueto. Now, Cueto's actually been pretty solid over those three starts. 0.5 war, 277 FIP, uh, has not given up a home run on a fastball 
either. I assume just no home runs in general. Yeah. So his XFIP is significantly higher. Uh, but you're relying on Johnny Cueto right now as your fourth best starter. Uh, you know, Lance Lynn has been hurt. How many starts do they even get out of Lance Lynn? Zero. He didn't get a start this year. I really like Jimmy Lambert. He's Lambert. He's at a zero war, though. A 464 FIP. Uh, you go further down, that's two starts. Davis Martinez had one start for them. They haven't tried Ronaldo Lopez. He's been uh, working out of the pen. He's been quite good for them out of the pen, actually, this year. Uh, he was another starter when they originally acquired him. But my point is, yeah, Davis Martinez got a start. Jimmy Lambert struggled. Johnny Cueto. How much, how bad was last year's deadline for the Chicago White Sox? Uh, going out and getting Kimbrell. Now, yes, they allowed them to flip Kimbrell for Pollock. And A.J. Pollock is worth negative six war this year. Uh, he has not been good offensively or defensively and has a 65 runs created plus. That is below pretty much the entire Cleveland outfield. So that is, you first think about, well, at least they got something for him. But then it was a player who's not playing well and has been struggling with health at points and has struggled with health at points throughout his career. Uh, Nick Madrigal has not been good for the Cubs. Like, let's just put that out there. But you still think he is going to figure it out. I still believe in him as a player. Uh, the hit tool is too good. I think at some point he will be an, at least an average regular. He's been, you know, an average defender, but he's been one of the worst bats in baseball. Like he is right now in Austin Hedges territory in terms of production. And then the other uh, pitcher they got in that deal, who was quite good a year ago, trying to find his name on this list. Has he just not pitched for them this year? I'm, I'm totally blanking. Was it like Matt Foster? Maybe he's hurt. Uh, so yeah, they didn't send out a ton, but. They sent out cheap, cost-controlled talent for a overpriced reliever, then flipped that guy for, you know, A.J. Pollock, with the way he played for the Dodgers, was a well-priced outfielder, uh, but they don't have much to show for it. And then they turn around and trade for Cesar Hernandez because he's got that option here. Then he plays so poorly, they let him go. And they trade away a former second-round pick, a guy who... You, know, you can go back and find my uh, when the Guardians made that trade. And I'm like, oh, I'm a little bit surprised that this is the guy they targeted. But he has, you know, this was a player who at the beginning of his junior year had top 10 run. Like he was talked about that well. He missed a lot of bats in college. He just didn't seem to progress with the White Sox. Uh, Guardians are working with him and have found another gear. And he, the pitcher he is right now would be uh, in the the White Sox rotation. I don't have any doubt about that. So, you know, it's always like the thing about buyer beware or, you know, this fear about trading in your own division. If you trust yourself, go trade because trading Cesar meant that the White Sox went and made a bad trade for Kimbrell. They weakened themselves up the middle. Now they still don't have a second baseman. They don't have anyone they can rely on at that position. Uh, their second baseman this past week, if I pull it up over here, uh, well, I pull that up. He hasn't pitched well. They overcommitted themselves in money they don't have. Then they went out and traded their pitching depth. You know, they acquired a reliever, lost a starter, and then also let go of another reliever who actually pitched better than Kimbrell last year. Again, Madrigal has not been good, and he was hurt, so it's not like they lost anyone there in the grand scheme. But, I mean, their main second baseman this year is Josh Harrison, who at points in time has been let go by organizations, is not like an everyday player. In 2021 with two teams, he had 138 games, 585 plate appearances, was worth 2.2 war. 
He hadn't been worth over two wars since 2017. And it was just the third time in his career that he was worth over two war. So it's not like this is a player who is constantly good. This year, by the way, 55 runs created plus. It is better than Madrigal's. 279, 341, 400 slug. No, that's not right. That's that's the good year. This year, it's 172, 255, 263. Yes, it is better than Nick Madrigal, but not by much. And Madrigal at least brought enough with the glove to probably have slightly more value. Uh, so the Guardians trade Cesar. They get an interesting lefty who is now in their rotation, who is essentially their sixth starter for when someone has been hurt or had issues. It encouraged the White Sox to go out and trade for a closer that they didn't really need and to trade away two cost-controlled assets and then trade that closer for an outfielder that didn't help them and hasn't helped them. So by making that trade, Cleveland got better and encouraged the White Sox, White Sox to make themselves significantly worse. Uh, again, it's just kind of fun to think about. Sit back and think about, you know, we've all seen the, you know, trading Johnny Peralta to the Tigers and then him killing the Guardians for years after that. But this is the case where if you trust your scouting staff, and I trust the front office of the Cleveland Guardians implicitly, you don't sit back and have any fear in this trade. You know that they see something outside of Logan Allen. And again, we have so much more data now than we did when the Guardians made that trade, even two years ago, that... I trust them implicitly when they see an arm. When they see an arm, there is something they know they can fix. We're going to take our first break here, come back, talk about Baltimore on today's Locked On Guardians. I put on the sad face because I don't listen to my own advice. I didn't go to rockiowa.com and I cost myself 50 bucks and bring it up every time so I can just sit here and kick myself so I don't be lazy again. I don't be lazy again, so I'm not lazy. Rock Auto makes it easy. And especially, again, I am not a car person. Not in the slightest, not in the least. I'm never going to change my own oil. That is just the truth of the matter. If I can change filters, I've done that. I can change windshield wipers. You can do a lot of these things easily via YouTube, even if you're like me. And when you go to a non-Rock Auto location, like if you're like me getting oil changed, they gouge you. I mean, they are taking advantage of you more than a Yankees fan in a fake baseball trade. That is how much they are trying to run up the prices on these items go to rock auto save yourself like i said for me 50 bucks and if you're like well i don't know which one's a good one guess what there's a little fire emblem to let you know which one sells the best i mean i could have saved even more money but i'm saying just to to get the one that is the top seller for my car would have saved me 50 bucks go to rockauto.com save yourself money don't let yourself end up in a situation where you look like the recipient of a yankees fan trying to make a baseball trade that's where i am you don't want to do that Go to rockout.com today and learn how you hear about us, Box. Make sure you write some form of locked on to let them know that your money's well spent. I mean, for the cost of what I wasted there, I could have gone to a baseball game. Ugh. Don't be like me. Be more. Be smarter. Go to rockout.com and make sure to let them know locked on MLB, locked on Guardian, some form of locked on sent you to there to them and helped you save money. I did it again. I, I sat here and did a whole thing paused. Right now, go to listener surveys. It's podcast. It's lockedonpodcast.com backslash listener survey. Right now, everyone who completes the survey, they don't take long to do, is entered in a drawing for one of 10 $100 Ticketmaster gift cards. And it's a way to help me out on the show. Gives you a chance to maybe say good things about Lockdown Guardians and help me as the host stay the host of Lockdown Guardians. So go right now to podcast, lockedonpodcast.com slash survey. Enter, you know, all the information they need and get a chance to win a $100 gift card. Thank you for your help. So I was closing things out and uh, 
here's the thing, you know, just to go back to the White Sox point, when they made that trade, like that should show, we shouldn't be afraid. Like the White Sox still have a gaping hole at second base, as we were discussing. Like if they want to step up and trade for Ahmed Rosario because he's a two year guy who's, you know, lines up with their core time, uh, yeah, sure, go ahead, go make that deal. Who cares? The Guardians are struggling to get to 500. I don't know. Again, I don't think this is their year. I don't think they are a good team. I don't. You know, it, maybe I'll be proven wrong. I think they are kind of like a little bit better than 500. That's what I predicted at the start of the year. They are an average team. They have some gaping holes, and we're kind of waiting to see what young players can step up, and hopefully those players will get opportunities. And one of the ways you create opportunities is by trading away players who are nearing the end of their, their contracts which is Ahmed Rosario. He's a year and a half left. He continues to play well, play his way back up. Remember, he didn't start particularly well a year ago either. He started playing well. Maybe it was in more May that he started to play well, but he kind of settled into that role as because uh, originally he was the second baseman outfielder. They're trying to find a spot because it was all Jimenez because he was the centerpiece in the deal. Uh, if you know he can play well, you know, you're not getting Andrew Vaughn. Let's just let's just put that away. As much as I'd love to figure out a trade for that to happen, uh, you know, he has played quite well this year. Any thoughts of Andrew Vaughn being trade bait, I think, are pretty much well and done in the past. Uh, Gavin Sheets has not been as as tough, but again, where do you play someone like Sheets when you have Naylor uh, and Framo Reyes? It doesn't quite put things together. No, he's wait. Is it? I always get thrown off yeah so he last year had a 125 runs created plus and 179 played appearances at a 135 this year he's at an 80 uh so he is struggling that's part of the white Sox grand struggle but yeah they could use a second baseman they could use a lot of things right now as they are still below 500 uh the problem for them is right now they're minor leagues it's like you go like jared kelly was a guy who a lot of people mocked to cleveland and you know my inside dish on that was like no I got to take him is like his fastball doesn't spin enough and he's got control issues in the minors. I liked West Cath quite a bit their second rounder a year ago. He hasn't played particularly well this year. Uh, their first rounder Colson Montgomery has played well. I mean you're probably not getting that level of prospect though, and that's the thing though. Like at the end of the day, if the Guardians traded Rosario to the White Sox, whoever they get, you just have to kind of sit back and go, well they know these prospects because a year ago at this time, if I was projecting. I mean, I talked about Cesar Hernandez to the White Sox being a very logical move because Magical was done for the year and Cesar was someone who could fill the gap and he was about league average in Cleveland and the metrics showed that he was unlucky. He went to Chicago and completely fell apart, but it made sense for both sides. I would have never projected Pilkington as the return. I'd forgotten about him to a degree. And this is as someone who covers the draft, talked about how that was a great pick by the White Sox as a second rounder. Now, he's an interesting lefty with some good success, who was young for his class. He had a lot of great indicators. So if they go and make a trade, there's a chance they'll trade for someone. I'm like, oh, yeah, him. But you you have to trust the scouting department until they pre- the last trade that they really bombed, to me, is Leonis Martin. He got hurt, and then he was ineffective. And Willie Castro has been okay. He hasn't been great. I mean, he was great in 2020. He's just okay right now. He was awful last year. They have not bombed a lot of trades. They've typically gotten at least one solid player in return. So I'm going to have faith that they're going to figure it out if a trade were to occur. But again, I just look at this team and I think, you know, Rosario makes a lot of sense to a lot of potential places. Let's do our, you know, our head-to-head here with the Baltimore Orioles. So I uh, just got to open the right tab because I closed it. So when we're going through, let's just do what we do. Let's go position by position. 
Uh, catcher for the Cleveland Guardians this week, you have three games for each for Maley and Hedges. So it is straight up equal. Of course, the catcher for Baltimore is Adelaide Rushman, the star catcher, the guy who was my personal, uh, you know, he was beginning to end. I had Casey Mize and Adelaide Rushman back to back where the, you know, banner to banner, start to finish, number one player on my board the whole time. And Rushman, at least, it was consensus for him. I think most people had him at the... I mean, there was a few people who had someone else. I can't think who it was. But it's like, if you were smart, it was like... This was... Like, he was... You know, he was putting up just unbelievable numbers as a college player. It was him. And then... And this is Baltimore, who since then has gone under slot every single time with a high pick. Has gone for a lesser talent that they can sign on the cheap. But... And there was some talk of doing that with this pick. But at the end of the day, like we can't. Like this guy is too good to do that. So they went and took the, you know, the phenomenal prospect who's moved through the systems, through the system, moved through the system at a, you know, a phenomenal rate, is in the big leagues and projects to, you know, be the best catcher in baseball at some point in time. Win Baltimore, <laughs> moving to first base. Ryan Mooncastle is there for Baltimore. He was. Like last year when he qualified as a rookie, that kind of threw me. I was like, man, it feels like he has been former second round pick. I remember that. It feels like he has been around forever. He has a 97 runs created plus this year. He is 25 years of age. Uh, horrendous walk rate. K rate's getting up there a little high. Uh, Bat Pip has shown him to be lucky because he's not a fast guy for 321. 261 average, 291 on base, 401 slugging. That's not great. Um, the Guardians' first baseman is, of course, I believe most games. Uh, is it? So Miller's got two. Of course, most games. I was thinking Naylor. Yeah. So Naylor is listed as the DH, interestingly enough, over on Roster Resource, where I go to look for just kind of to see the data. But uh, yeah, he is. Uh, the first baseman is is Naylor. In this case, I think it's advantage. Cleveland was. One, even though Naylor's starting to return a little bit to earth overall in the performance, since his COVID stay isn't quite as stellar, he's still playing well. He's still a solid player. Uh, it's a little bit surprising how low his walk rate is, I think, for him. But yeah, he's still playing better. That's that's advantage Cleveland. When you move over to second base, who do you want to consider Cleveland second baseman? Well, again, I just say who's played the most games there which infuriatingly is Andres Jimenez. And I say infuriatingly because you're taking your best shortstop and playing him out of position to play a below-average shortstop there because that below-average shortstop apparently can't play any other position. Frustration for Cleveland. At second base on the other side is good old Ruggie Odor for him this year. You know, in terms of his statistical performance, he's had an 84 runs created plus. Uh, doesn't know what a walk is. Very similar numbers to Mooncastle. Uh, that is advantage Cleveland as well. And, you know, third base will be advantage Cleveland. Do we even need to to do anything more? If you missed it, Baltimore's third baseman is Ramon Urias, who's actually not been bad for them. He's got a Mon 85 runs created plus, but his defensive value is solid. Bit of a surprise, I think, in terms of his performance. And then your shortstops... For Baltimore, it's Jorge Mateo, who was the San Diego via the Yankees, right? I liked him at several points as a potential trade target for the Guardians as a backup. Elite speed guy. Actually has good defensive numbers uh, this year. 13 stolen bases does lead Baltimore. But uh, let's see, his runs created plus is at a 76. Over here in Cleveland, when you look at our numbers for Rosario, 
His defensive metrics aren't bad, but I'm sorry. His defensive metrics are close to average. He's at a 70 runs created plus. So you're looking at a guy on the Baltimore side of things who has a higher runs created plus, is a better defender, and runs better. So that's advantage Baltimore. So you cancel out first and uh, catcher. You cancel out third and short. That means Cleveland has a one-position lead. And we're going to take our first break, or first break, our second break here, come back and continue this preview with the Royals. Royals? Nope, the Orioles. Royals were last time. I wish we were still playing the Orioles just because easy wins. And our next sponsor are the fantastic uh, people over at Blue Nile. I've talked about Blue Nile is, you know, it is interesting eye-catching, you know, jewelry that people will talk about. It is something that whenever I go and look at what they have, it, you can tell the quality. You can see the quality in their products. And right now, if you go to BlueNile.com, we have a special deal for you. And, you know, just remember the fact that this could be wedding jewelry. This could be fine jewelry. This is jewelry for any occasion. Make your moment sparkle with jewelry from BlueNile.com and Locked On Sports listeners. Get $50 off purchases of 500 or more. That's like saving 10% at 500 this podcast exclusively exclusive includes engagement. Use code LOCKEDON. That's code LOCKEDON. Plus, every order is insured, ships free, and arrives in discreet packaging that won't give away what's inside. Shop stress-free and find your forever peace. Go to BlueNile.com today. Okay, so if you're joining late in the podcast, if anyone ever does that, let me know. Uh, I don't think that exists. I don't think that happens. But if you are joining us late in the podcast... Catcher, Baltimore, first base, Guardians, second base, Guardians, shortstop, Baltimore, third base, Guardians. One point advantage for the Guardians. Let's, should we jump to DHs right now? So a DH for the Guardians, technically speaking, uh, is just been a complete, you know, mishmash of whoever's around. Jose Ramirez has had two games there. Yeah, one for Naylor. I'm going to, I'm going to call it Owen Miller for lack of a better choice. The other side is Trey Mancini. Uh, Trey Mancini has a 127 runs K to plus. He is a consistently productive bat, a walk rate of 9.4%, a strikeout rate at 17. Incredibly lucky with a 360 bat pit. But I mean, this guy just, he mashes every year. 126 runs K to plus for Owen, Owen Miller. We talked about how it's been on the decline, a 330 bat pit, 7.6% walk rate, a 21.7% K rate. I mean, they're close in runs created plus, what, a 127 and a 126. Mancini's been slightly better, and Mancini also just has the track record. I'm more likely to believe and trust him. So it is tied at this point in time. Moving to the outfield, uh, position that Cleveland always uh, wins, right? Left field, Stephen Kwan for Cleveland over for Baltimore. Their uh, left fielder has been most, well, Austin Hayes has two games, and then you got two games for Anthony Santander and the one game for Ryan McKenna. So I think at this point in time, we'll lean into Hayes and left and Santander and right. Santander played three and right and only two and left. So Austin Hayes, a player who I did a whole thing on why the Guardian should maybe try trading for him instead of Cedric Mullins as kind of a potentially lower value you know, lesser name, not cost as much to get type. You might remember that piece. He currently leads uh, Baltimore in runs created plus at a 139. A 297 average, 365 on base, 453 slugging. He does have a bat pip of 333, showing high luck, but a strikeout rate of 15%, a walk rate at 8.3. Uh, you know, going over to the Cleveland side of things, Stephen Kwan 
as of now is at a 109 runs created plus. Still, you know, a solid one, 259. Or, or I'm sorry, that's his bat, but he's actually been unlucky. 244 average, 349 on base, 350 slugging. Uh, defensive score through fan graphs is a negative. He's been solid. Like, Quan has just kind of settled into probably closer to what he's going to be. There'll be some ups and downs. There'll be some hot streaks and some slow streaks. But this is about what one should likely expect. Uh, this is Austin Vantage to Baltimore. Right field side of things, Anthony Santander, former Guardians prospect, who I also talked about. Hey, maybe it's the time to go and bring him back. Maybe it's the time to go get this outfielder that we lost in the Rule 5 draft. He's coming off a down year. His only good season was like 2019. He had two bad seasons in a row. Let's maybe go see. Santander has a 117 runs created plus right now. He's got a 226 average, a 335 on base, a 407 slugging, slugging, but a 238 bat pip. He's been incredibly unlucky. So 117 runs created plus with his batting average being, you know, looking at his bat pip, you're looking at something around potentially a 60 point jump. I mean, his, he, he's, He's only going to get better. Defensively, not great. Walk percentage is at 12%. Strikeout is 19.1. I am still all for a Santander trade. And remember, there's been some issues with them being kind of, uh, I don't know if I can use that word. So I won't. Being kind of not so nice in how they've negotiated and like asked players to like defer payments in terms of salary arbitration. So, you know, I'm still all for bring, bringing back Santander. And again, what makes Baltimore a great tra- trade candidate team? A great team to potentially trade with, let's put it that way, is Baltimore has no infielders. Like their entire system, Gunnar Henderson off the top of my head is their top infield prospect, and he's a third baseman all the way. I don't think they have a shortstop. I really like uh, Taron Vavra. I've been huge on him since his Minnesota days. When Colorado traded him for Michael Givens, I was like gnashing my teeth just because I really liked him. He still has no respect. He's not a top 10 prospect here. Kobe Mayo, who's listed... And Fangraphs, I believe, is um, a third baseman. And then Jordan Westberg was like a second-round pick, who's like a maybe a second baseman as well. Go out and get, you know, it, and the thing with Santander is like if everything goes well, he's, you know, what's he's at nine home runs right now. He leads them in home runs. He's a potential like high 20s, low 30s home run hitter. He is what this team lacks, and he's doing a lot of really impressive things. Like I am still all for bringing him back. He's got one option left. He's had three years of service time. He's a switch hitter. He's never going to be a great defender. But again, when you got Quan and Strawn, the other two spots, that works. And, you know, I know people are probably going, but what about Valera? What about Nolan Jones? No prospect is a sure thing. And, I mean, we first have to see Jones get healthy. And with Valera, it's like most prospects, it's not, hey, you're up and you're here forever. That's not, I mean, look at the struggles some of the biggest prospects in baseball have had this year. If you can get a sure starter, and I think Santander is a ascending talent right now, go get it. Go get that done. But that is an advantage to Baltimore on the wings. Uh, Center field, Cedric Mullins is having a, a regression year. You know, I really liked a lot of stuff on him a year ago. I talked about maybe going out and trying to trade a farm for him. He's got a 236 average, 297 on base, 365 slugging, 91 runs created plus. Defensive value is not that high on him by fan graphs. Uh, 508 walk percentage, 18.8% K percentage. I really haven't dug into the numbers. He's a little bit, I mean, because he, he runs well. So yeah, some of this is he should be close to the league average. He's been a little unlucky, but that's not uh, that's not great production for compared to where he was a year ago. Uh, Cleveland side of things, Miles Straw is the center fielder. 
he's in a 91 runs created plus. So he's in a similar ballpark, but with defense. Is it weird that right now, in this very moment, Strom might carry more value because he is such a good defender and neither of these guys is um, setting the world on fire offensively? If you buy that, Baltimore still has the better lineup. If you don't, it's a much better lineup with a three-spot win. Now, pitching-wise, that has not been a strength of Baltimore. I really like Kyle Bradish dating back to his New Mexico State days. I just think anyone who could be effective in that ballpark uh, is a player to watch. Uh, John Means is, of course, out for them. Cody Sedlock is had. Let's see. Let's get past the guys who haven't really played. Uh, Dylan Tate's a nice comeback story for them. Former high pick who has found success in the pen. But overall, their starting pitching has been pretty ugly. Um, if I just look at people with the most starts, Jordan Lyles, fit before 405. That's okay. Tyler Wells, a 390. That's okay. Bruce Zimmerman, 558. Spencer Watkins, 617. Kyle Bradish. Again, I liked a lot, but you know, it's you can't ignore a 558 FIP. Um, yeah, it's it's not great for them right now. The starting pitching is an advantage to Cleveland, and if we just look overall at these matchups, uh, Zimmerman versus Bieber, advantage Cleveland. Wells versus McKenzie, advantage Cleveland. Dean Kremer versus Zach Plesak, that should be advantage Cleveland as well. Cleveland should sweep this series. Uh, let's put it this way. They should win two. A sweep would not be out of the you know realm of possibility. And for Cleveland to continue to get you know close to 500 if they really want to compete... Texas is scuffling. You got Baltimore, then you have Texas at home, and then an Oakland team that has not uh, played well this year at all. So they've got to keep performing well. They need to take two out of three in this series. And Baltimore is a team that is starting to get their stuff together. I don't know if they're quite here yet. I don't know if they're quite you know a team you're going to sit back. And it, they're ascending more than, than Kansas City, let's put it that way at least. But I still wonder if this is a team in Baltimore that might... You could go out and see if they're willing to talk about a Santander. Because the other thing with this Baltimore team is they've drafted a ton of outfielders, right? I mean, they've added Colton Kowser. These top 10 prospects doesn't have uh, Keston Juristad, but that's because he's been unhealthy since they drafted him. Uh, it, with their high pick this year, the question is, like, do they go with one of those many prep outfielders? Do they take Drew Jones, the consensus top player in this class? Do they instead go with a high school player like Jackson Holiday and actually put a shortstop in their system? Do they go with the college guy, Brooks Lee, who's probably another corner-playing infielder that they don't need? Or do they Jackson Berry and just take the guy who can mash and has been one of the best hitters but doesn't really have a position? It's an interesting situation for them to have. I don't know what the answer is right now. I just know that Cleveland should win this series against Baltimore. Uh, it's going to be a fun series to check out, at least for me personally, because I always like to see Santander. Like, I have been a fan of his dating back to when he was in this organization. When I listed him as the, did I put him as high as the third best prospect that year? I don't think I did. I think he was somewhere around five or six. But still, I was very high on him. Uh, I think I had him as the third best hitter in the class that year is what it was. Uh, so, yeah, I, I'm always going to be coming up with the trades. I, you know, everyone got focused on Mullins. I mean, I even put together some trade packages on this very show for him, but Santander and Hayes are the ones to look at. And I think Santander more so than Hayes because Hayes is the internally developed guy. Um, the player that they have is performing the best by a lot of metrics, but Santander is performing exceptionally well and has been incredibly unlucky. That's a combination of what means, what means, which means he's in for even greater things. I've been Jeff Ellis. This has been Lockdown Guardians Podcast for today. Make sure to rate and review, tune in daily, uh, download daily, I should say. It really helps the show. 
numbers have not been as great. <laughs> you know, the initial, hey, baseball, hey, it was Aaron Ramirez, hey, Stephen Quinn. Uh, now we're kind of in this, you know, go down. So, you know, if you can just download daily, listen, subscribe on YouTube, all of that is so helpful to this show and our continued growth. Thank you again to everyone who does. Um, you know, shout out to someone like Nathan, who always provides me, uh, Kingsley, with some additional information in the margins for shows. And as I end every show now, go, go, Guardians, go.